<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Oh, hi. If you like this show, will you leave a review for it wherever you listen to podcasts? You don't even have to write anything. Just some stars will do. It's one of the most effective ways to spread the word about us and one of the most meaningful ways to show your support for what we do. We are so grateful. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to thingertohq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. We got in trouble a little bit. We did. We did. We got in <laughs> and trouble. And rightly, honestly, we deserved it. I have mixed feelings. Okay. But go on, go on, go on. So we did, in a recent episode, talk about minor league athletics across the board with a focus on baseball. With an emphasis on baseball. Yeah. But we did manage to bring basketball into it. Yeah. The chorus of people who were like, I cannot believe you didn't mention Savannah Bananas. And honestly, I took it as a compliment because I took it to mean you are usually thoroughly researched. That's your first mistake, assuming that we did tons of research for 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 well, no, we brought to we the did. table what we knew about minor league yeah, baseball and our we personal didn't do experience. Extensive research yeah, it wasn't it, it wasn't this, really that kind of episode. Yeah, so but when we didn't mention the Savannah bananas and listen, the outrage was somewhat justified. I feel justified in leaving them out because they are an exhibition team. Yeah, no, they're not mm-hmm. minor league baseball. So the yeah. thing about Savannah bananas is that basically they're like the Harlem Globetrotters, mm-hmm. but for baseball and for like right now. It's Harlem Globetrotters, but for baseball plus TikTok. Yeah. For baseball it's, and for TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> And it's beautifully executed. Beautifully executed. There's a little bit of like Bull Durham in there in that like, oh, what is this hot man Mm -hmm. doing playing minor league or exhibition league baseball? What's the story here? There's a little bit of Magic Mike. There's a lot of dancing, a lot of like all of that happening. I find it so compelling. It's all hot dudes also. Yeah. You know, it's like guys who played college baseball who then were like, well, I don't have a future playing like actual minor league baseball or mm-hmm. major league baseball, but I would like to continue to have fun with this and mm-hmm. maybe I can also be an influencer. Yeah, that, no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. From what we gather from a listener, the star of the show is this guy, Noah Bridges, which I also like because it's in the grand tradition of Noah Centennial, the other... <laughs> and like Jeff Bridges. There's like a lot of like, there's a lot happening there. There's a lot to work there's with. He also, sounds like a fictional name. There's also somebody named Noah Beck who's a heartthrob right now. I couldn't tell you what he does. I don't even he need to know. He could be an actor or a singer, but <laughs> I don't know what he does. But there's some Noahs happening right now. They do these choreographed musical routines every game. They really lean into the fun of it. Their whole thing is like, we're fan first. We're just all about the fans. The one thing that really took me by surprise, and there's a lot to be 
surprised about, it's all inclusive. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. You can have as many hot dogs as you want once you buy that. You know what they know? You're not going to eat that many hot dogs. <laughs> it's never. They're never going to like lose money on that deal. I just think I think of resorts as all inclusive. Cruises, cruises. Like I think of travel experiences as all inclusive. I've never considered the idea of an all-inclusive entertainment venue, like period, or just an all-inclusive sports game. They're like, here's the thing: we serve hot dogs, popcorn, nachos. Oh, I'll tell you exactly Please. what they serve. It says. They say, when you come to Banana Land, your experience is all-inclusive. Our concessions in Savannah are all-you-can-eat hot dogs, hamburgers, chicken sandwiches, water, soda, popcorn, and cookies. And you're absolutely right. Like, they get all this from Costco, and it's it not an issue. It's a non-issue. Pennies? I want to go back to the dancing thing for a second, yeah. because I think my favorite component of this is that, basically, when the Savannah Bananas are pitching, mm -hmm. the entire infield performs choreographed mm -hmm. dances in an attempt to distract the batter. It's perfect. They also, in addition to the team who perform, they also have the Banana Nanas, mm -hmm. a senior citizen dance team, mm -hmm. and the Man Nanas, our dad bod cheerleading squad. I mean, it's amazing. They also have something called Bananas Foster, which they announced recently, and it's a charity organization, a 5013C designed to bring families together to celebrate foster care community. They definitely came up with the name Bananas Foster before oh, yeah. settling on the charity. <laughs> and I and I don't There's mean that as an egg. No, like I, they were like, yeah. this is a perfect name and we're going to back into it because why shouldn't they? I agree. I think every single sports league and sport team has to be looking at them right now, trying to yeah. figure out how they can have some of this, right? Yeah, like coming back to the pizza wrap merch of it all. Yes. Don't you want Savannah Bananas merch having never been to a game? Yes. And like, how, and phenomenal. We learned a little bit about the team. It's mm -hmm. owned by a husband and wife, Jesse and Emily Cole. There's a story of them from WBUR. They like basically. They did previous to this own a minor league team or Jesse did. Right. Yeah. They And they both like worked in minor league yeah. baseball and they, he proposed to her with a ring inside of a baseball that he had mm -hmm. carved open and it was like latched. <laughs> and Claire, it's Perfect. like a whole thing. Yeah. Um, he wears a yellow tuxedo pretty much at all times. That's in, his shtick. Yeah, totally. Okay. Totally. So that when they launched the Savannah Bananas, it was going absolutely nowhere. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't the Savannah Bananas, first right, of all. Okay. There was like this stadium that they were like, this is a storied stadium. Mm -hmm. Like all the big names in baseball played at. Like this is like a historic venue. We need to be able to work here, right? It was going absolutely nowhere until they launched a naming contest in the local paper. They had over a thousand submissions and there was an immediate like winner straight away. Bananas. Like so Obviously. good. When they announced this, it trended on Twitter, but the locals got mad about it. Mm -hmm. Coming back to the pizza rat of it all. Yeah. And Jesse said in an interview, we got crucified. They were saying the owner should be thrown out of town. You guys are an embarrassment to the city. You'll never sell a ticket. Please leave our town, et cetera, et cetera. So they sold that opening day. Perfect. <laughs> 4,000 people. And then it just continued to be a hit from there. It's like been like kind of no stopping them. It was all in this name and this branding. And that some of the quotes for them are so good. So many operators focus first on how do they make the best team. Well, we realize it's the exact opposite. You focus on the environment, the fans, and then the baseball takes care of itself. This is from Jesse. I believe baseball is too long, too slow, and too boring. Jesse, Facts. same. Facts. Same. As the owner of a baseball team, I feel baseball is like a hot dog stand. And what we do is we are unbelievable at the condiments. We have great ketchup, mustard, relish, but the hot dog still needs work. And that's baseball. I actually disagree with him on this because I think if you have great mustard, ketchup, and relish, the hot dog doesn't really matter all that much. I sort of agree. I sort of agree. <laughs> Don't worry about the hot That's dog. when you can like pass off the shitty veggie dog. Yeah, and like it's fine. Exactly. Whatever. It's totally fine. Whatever. Well, congratulations to this fan of bananas. People should absolutely be following them on Instagram, TikTok. 
I also, fresh off of our conversation about morning pages, there is a new development in the land of morning pages, also squarely in my interest zone. Yes. Wendy McNaughton, who is an illustrator and a writer and just like an all-around creative and artist, and we've talked about her many times before on the podcast. She has this incredible thing called Draw Together, which is an online drawing course that she launched for kids during the pandemic that sort of married art and mindfulness. And then it just really caught on. And so she's since launched it into sort of a full-fledged company and it has a Substack. And she's yeah. since launched this thing called Grown Up Table that is specifically geared at grown-ups. I have to say, if you are looking at this content and like looking to get something out of it, I, as a grown-up, still got a ton out of all of the child the content. content. Yeah. yeah, so the grown-up stuff is slightly more, I suppose, mature, sophisticated, not on a technical level, but in terms of the the concepts. And what she has launched recently with grown-up table is what she's calling a 30-day drawing experiment directly inspired by morning pages. The idea being that you wake up first thing in the morning, spend 10 minutes drawing. And so she's like, you're going to set a timer and you're going to draw and do nothing else for 10 minutes in the morning. There are no other rules besides that. Like that's the only rule. So what she says about it, she's like, my work focuses on how drawing impacts our attention, well-being and connection. There isn't a ton of research done on the impact of drawing on our brains, bodies and well-being. But the little there is proves that drawing in supportive conditions helps us settle our thoughts and sit with our feelings. It helps us process strong emotions. Drawing like we are doing this week, like as part of this experiment, literally slows our heart rate. It improves our attention and our memory. It enhances our curiosity. It helps us pay attention to the world inside and out. And she had done morning pages at some point. And she's like, it helps getting all the crap out of your head and onto the page and allowing space for your creative self to step forward. She's like, I know successful writers who swear by this practice. I appreciated how it loosened my brain. And as a visual person, I've always wondered how this practice could be altered for someone like me. What would happen if I did morning drawings? So she's actually positioning this as a sort of experiment because she's like, I think this could actually have truly sort be of like, like useful, like have useful utility. And impactful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that there would be psychological benefits. And an integral part of it for her is that she's really encouraging people to share both the art themselves, but also like how it's making them feel yeah. because she thinks that this like supportive environment in which you share art is also part of it. And so she's got this online community hub for it. She's incorporated the survey element so she can see the impact that it has on people who participate. She's also to give it some structure, giving weekly assignments or suggestions that you don't have to follow. But Prompts. Yeah, yeah. Like the first week it was like do drawing just circles and, and a grid. And then the next week it was blind contour self-portraits. And so I find it very compelling. And if you want to do something like morning pages but would prefer to draw instead of write, this seems like a nice way in. The other thing I wanted to tell you about Wendy McNaughton that feels like it appeals to your interests in a but I feel bad framing hospice or palliative care as your interest. But do you think it's something that you're interested in? Is that you are are you not? Are you not? No, I think are you not interested in death? I I'm I think I'm interested. So Wendy McNaughton spent some time as an artist in residence at the six bed hospice house in San Francisco. So now she has this book, How to Say Goodbye, which is basically her learnings from this period, huh. like learning about people's memories, fears, joys and regrets. She sat with family members. She interviewed professional caregivers. And it's basically drawings, advice, thoughts on the end of life. That's interesting. There's a new book out that people are talking about now called The In-Between. Yes. I started um, to read it the did other you? day. I did. How is it? Do you remember who that's by? It's by a nurse. Hadley. Hadley Vlahos. And she's a nurse and she's worked in hospice. Yes. And it's sort of around the same theme, certainly. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I was thinking about that saying the other day that people say about exercise and also like 
diets, just basically the best exercise is the one you will do. The best exercise routine is the one you will stick to, right? Don't overthink it. Just like pick the one that you will actually go forward and do and stick to. And I think this about therapy as well. Like maybe you really think you want to do it a certain way, a certain whatever. Maybe you feel like you want to have an in-person relationship with someone who lives and whose office (laughs) is an hour away from your home, but that's not actually happening. Yeah. And listen, I actually don't, I'm of the mindset that there's no sort of sacrifice or compromise involved in doing virtual therapy. But my bigger point here about BetterHelp is like, they just remove all of the hurdles and they just make it something that you can do and you will do. Is that texting? Great. Is that a Zoom call? Great. Whatever it is, it's something that is removing the hurdle that you will actually do. And maybe eventually you'll get to a place where you want to move on. You want to do it in person. You want to figure out another modality. Fine. It is so beautiful that BetterHelp is making it possible for people to just sort of get rid of the excuses. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash a thing or two today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash a thing or two. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from addiction almost nine years ago, I have been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life. And I'm sharing everything with you from how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures. I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with the industry's top experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Okay, switching gears. I know that I can't stop banging this drum, but summer rain shoes, something that still haunts us, still haunts me. And somebody on our Instagram thingies the other day submitted Plasticana hemp mules and commented specifically that to her, this was a very good summer rain shoe. Thank you. Yeah. You also have suggested clogs as a summer rain shoe. And by the way, when you search summer rain shoe in Google, many, but not all of the shopping results that come up are clogs. And I'm also glad they've heard us talk about it. So I I don't trust those results at all. Fine. Fair. I just need you to help me understand this because in my mind, if you are wearing a clog in the rain, you are inviting the water into your shoe. You're giving it a wide open door, but giving it no place to drain out. And I have not tried this, so I may be misunderstanding the physics, but I'm just asking you to explain to me how and why a clog would be a good solution. I'd rather have a fully open shoe or a fully closed shoe, but not one that's just collecting water. I am going to buy a rain clog okay. so that we can work through this. Thank you. In the meantime, we're not talking about singing in the rain, levels <laughs> of rain. We're talking about like it's raining and you're putting a shoe on and you're going outside. It's still disgusting to me. Like, But it's not. Because I don't think that much is getting in. Like it's not. But can I tell you something about wearing a clog without a sock? You're already collecting moisture. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. So th- this is the entire issue with Crocs. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm increasingly thinking like it's, it's got to be a sneaker or a full-on slide or maybe a jelly. But jelly, I don't think there's enough opening think, either. No, I, the problem is there is no answer. Yeah. The problem is we are all settling in some way. Okay. Speaking of, 
summer moisture. <laughs> Mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. Somebody got in our DMs and there was something about the way she wrote this that I was like, this person has discovered the answer and I'll let you know next year if I can confirm this. But she says that she lives in Texas and the mosquito situation is outrageous and she's been battling it for years and she finally found the thing and it is called Tougher Than Tom Mosquito TNT. Okay, they are these buckets. You add warm water to them. They have some solution in them. It's apparently non-toxic. The mosquitoes are attracted to the solution. They drink the formula and they explode. The mosquitoes explode. So Carly, who lives in Texas, says it is the one and only thing that works. And the key is getting it set up in May before the mosquitoes start to breed or whenever, whatever month, month that, is, that for you. is for you. And then you leave them up all season long. They're not cute. You might want to like they have there are these black buckets with a funny logo on them. But maybe Did they say tougher than Tom Mosquito TNT. Of course, I feel like Tom and a mosquito might also be pictured. Obviously. But I don't know. I I just want people to know about this. She made a very strong case. I believe in it. I'm going to try it. No, I think, listen, let's yeah. try it. Yeah. You do that for the team. I'm okay. going to do a summer a summer rain clock. Right. We'll report team. back. Okay, great. A private writing slash private practice follow-up. Private practice makes it seem like... <laughs> like a TV show from something the, else. From the yeah. late 90s. <laughs> Not what I mean. So we talked on a recent episode about how I wrote a YA novel and some, it like might be read by a larger audience at some point it very likely will not be right. and that I'm very satisfied with having done the thing for myself. And I have just uncovered a couple of things recently that have made me sort of like, like fueled this like fire or like thought about this. Hanif Abdurraqib, who is a poet and MacArthur fellow, posted on Twitter this thread that I just thought was so good. So he said, every year on January 1, I open up a document, put a broad topic of curiosity slash obsession at the top, and then spend the year writing braided vignettes orbiting that topic slash obsession. For example, this year is the telephone and pop songs. At the end of the year, I just file it away. It's not something I write into every day or even every week. If I've got a down hour or so, or if I'm on a plane, or if I'm in a green room with my phone or whatever, it's exciting to return to. And that excitement ends up joyfully fueling slash shaping my more public writing. But it's also an exercise in restraint, a reminder that not everyone needs to see everything I write, even slash especially if it's something that I'm personally extremely excited about or obsessed with. This is also useful for me. Restraint is as good an editing tool as any. Sometimes the text grows to what some might consider book length. This year will almost certainly top out at more than 60,000 words, which oddly makes filing it away all the more satisfying. I can look back and see how my thinking evolved on a single thing and keep it just for me. It's just so nice. It's, it's just lovely. like this idea of like, and I think it comes back to a little bit of the morning pages stuff mm -hmm. too, of just this idea of like, yeah. I'm doing this thing not for public creative output or, you know, just, whatever. I'm just doing this thing. Trusting that it, 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 it's contributing to you yes, in some way. Exactly. Our friend Laura emailed me after this episode about writing, and she said it made me think of an old boyfriend who ran a marathon on his birthday. Just him, no race, no crowds, nor medals for completing X, and no desire to do that in the future. He simply wanted to see if he could get there and do it, and so he did. I love that, and I know that there were people who did that also during the pandemic because. Yeah. They had been training and then the marathons got canceled and they were like, I'm just going to do it anyway. And I thought, so beautiful. The Nike Run Club app, I also feel like it did a very mm, good job, especially yes. during that time of like prompts of being like, let's all go do our long run or like yeah. whatever. Yeah. I wanted to ask you if you have any thoughts or feelings or associations with the topic of the telephone and pop songs. Gosh, great question. I have one that feels incredibly timely. Please. Barbie girl. Yes. Don't they talk like 
Hi, Barbie. Like yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbie. Have, um, have you watched the new Nicki Minaj Ice Spice? No, I haven't Barbie watched Girl? it yet. I mean, it's delightful. Okay. In the same way that everything Barbie related right now is delightful, mm-hmm. whether or not I love it or not. And it's so aggressively marketed to adults. There's nothing kid-friendly in this song. Mm. Although nothing was kid-friendly about the original Barbie song. Right. And my nieces sang that song at karaoke last year. Oh, wow. Very karaokeable song. Very karaokeable and a very challenging song to listen to like tween girls sing. <laughs> my chief association of the telephone and pop songs is the song Telephone, Beyonce and Lady Gaga. Of course. That music video was one of my earliest memories of consuming something on the internet as soon as it came out and then consuming all of the internet's response to it. Just feeling like we're all doing this together. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. totally. So exciting. I thought the video was incredible. It was. I mean, it it just was, objectively. quite good. And then engaging in all of the internet chatter about it was so satisfying. The embarrassing thing is when you're like, what do you associate with telephones and pop music? I was like, mm, Bright Bag Birdie. <laughs> no, um, that counts. Yeah. I don't know if that's pop music. That is, no, that that is certainly it's, it's, telephones. It's definitely telephones. And it definitely, it was pop music. I think uh, at the time. it was a musical. Are we due for a remake of that? I think we had but one. It was like a pop music musical. Did we? I like think, a TV one? Oh, you know what? No, I always get like the hairspray and Bye Bye mm, Birdie yeah. a little confused. Fuse. We had a hairspray remake with Zach Efron. Is that right? That sounds right. But me. we didn't get a. We haven't had a remake, but what we have had recently, or not that recently, twenty years ago, recently, mm-hmm. so whatever, was when a date with Tad Hamilton, which was oh, yeah. cut from the mm-hmm. very same cloth. Oh my god! What was the name of that actor? He was had such a moment. Toe for Grace. That's yes. Toe for Grace. He did. Yeah. He had such a moment. God. Yeah. He was such like a win for dorky, gawky white boys. Yeah, they need more wins, those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, win a date with Todd Hamilton. I am actually, like, right now, as the world is ending, feels like the perfect time for the revival of that genre of, like, that thing you do, Down with Love, <gasps> like, all those types of movies. We have talked about that thing you do before. And and we talked about Down with Love recently. Yeah, I mean, these are yeah. all incredible films. Yeah, we need those again. Yeah, we need those again. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, give us that thing yes. you do again. Yes. Um, that thing you do had a... Long run on Broadway, no? Probably. I think so. I don't know. Sounds right. We have some newsletter mentions that are... That need more. That need a little bit more of a mention. You so, included the Cat's Cradle book recently. Yeah. Well, it's is it a book? Is it a kit? Is it an... I don't know. Mm, um, it's an instruction manual. It's a project. I don't know. Yeah. So Cat's Cradle. <laughs> yeah. So Klutz, which got a mention on a recent episode, mm-hmm. which makes the sort of kids like craft, fun, learning Yeah, are toys. they like their I, own publisher? Are they owned by Scholastic? What's their deal? I don't know. Okay. We should yeah. know. This we is something know. we should yeah. learn. They So one of the like classics that I remember from my youth was uh-huh. this Cat's Cradle book with yes. it came with the string that's mm-hmm. not tie-dye, but it's like ombre-ish, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever. And it, on the cover, it you know looks like the cat, like the cat whiskers mm-hmm. that you can make with the string. And then inside their instructions, it's like a flip book and they're mm-hmm. inside their instructions with how to make various shapes. I wanted to bring a gift to our friend Jamie's mm-hmm. daughter, Eloise. Thomas and I were going to France. And I knew that if I brought junk into mm-hmm. her world, I would be just like completely disowned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this felt like something that I was like, oh, I have a relationship with this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It feels like nostalgic, but also like kind of distinctly American. Yeah. And she's a little young for it, but Probably she'll figure that. it out. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you can make with a string is the Eiffel Tower. I recall the Eiffel Tower. 
So I brought it and it got whipped out at dinner mm-hmm. one night. Yeah. And she was like delighting in it, you know, yeah. like it's like a fun thing to like try to figure right. out how mm-hmm. to play. Uh, yeah. Like it's just. Did you remember just intuitively how to some do Some of it, but not enough. Not as much I as I thought I think I could would. do just Cat's Cradle. Yeah. But yeah, then yeah. the whole thing was like someone else Cats would had take to... it from you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. It was beautiful. <laughs> so in fact, we do remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did okay. from the instructions make the Eiffel Tower. Okay. And she was impressed. Okay, good. Um, That's Which great. was really like there was a TikTok video that someone shared in our Geneva that showed like basically mm-hmm. someone doing Cat's Crater like one of these yeah. and it was like this is what happens when you give an elder millennial a piece of string yes <laughs> that just I was like yeah I, I, I guess it's just one of those things where like I didn't totally realize that this was a universal experience yeah you know what yeah, I mean yeah. well because in again in our feeble brains we're like but how did this information spread across the country before the internet which like of course there were They're like we were a <laughs> brand that sold to the same to this to to well even before like this to thing, zany brainy and to the caramel corn store that i shopped at but presumably cat's cradle existed before klutz klutz oh, didn't yeah. invent cat's no. cradle <laughs> so my other thing like it's this, like hand claps yes cam went to a winter camp over the holidays and he came home one day with a lanyard like the plastic what we used to call it gimp which, I know. I, yeah, that's an East Coast thing, I think. Okay. Yeah. It's plastic, flat plastic string. And the yeah. most common thing that you do is you create this box stitch that's like a cube. I immediately, And it's for like a keychain. Yes. Yeah. I immediately remembered how to do it. I just knew. The thing I didn't try, but I actually think I could do is the spiral version of it. Do you remember that? Well, what I picture is the spiral hair wrap. Do you recall this? Spir- okay. Very much related because those, but also you would make friendship bracelets that way too. Totally. With thread or you could do it around your hair. Yeah. 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 Hair um, wraps. Such a thing. Such a thing. All these things universal. So Klutz also published a book on lanyards called Boondoggle because I think Boondoggle is a more universal name for it. Yeah. I yeah. Never, yeah. And in French, apparently it's called Scooby-Doo. Oh, Okay. Like other S C O U B I D O U. Very. There was French. an explanation for this. I can't remember what it was. Cootie catchers, which Klutz also published a book on. Yeah, you take a piece of paper, turn it into a square. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You Fold it until it. But becomes we never a, called them that. We, what did you? Call we just it? called them origami. I think, which is oh. not. I mean, no, it's those are deeply catchers. Not. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They yeah. were an alt take on mash because you would. They were fortune tellers. That was the other thing. We fortune tellers. Them. We did call them that. Too. Yeah, because you would write. You would ca- give give a number. Yeah, and right. Then a count number a was number. the first thing. Right. That's how many times you would. And then whatever oh. it opened on, someone picked the thing inside, and then you opened and read, and then you yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. God, it was mash. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope kids today are still doing this, and I'm worried that they're not because they're not getting bored enough to create a cootie catcher. I think that it, it it's, yeah created purely to boredom and I mean also the hand claps of it all Claire like that I would yeah. sit on the bus and do hand claps with yes. my like Very early grade school bestie time. and yeah. yeah thank you so much to Olive and June for sponsoring today's episode some girlfriends and I were talking the other day about what we're always talking about these months, which is the challenge of dressing in the summer. And somebody pinpointed that the issue is that you can't wear as many clothes and therefore it's just hard to sort of style yourself. And so you have to turn to accessories like sunglasses or beauty stuff. You don't have layers. Yeah. Yeah. No layers. Yeah. Nail polish definitely feels like part of this. And I had that aha moment because I realized it during the pandemic with Zoom where like I talk with my hands, you know, you can only see me from the chest up. So it's like, you've got your shirt, your jewelry, and if you're wearing nail polish, that's adding a little something. It's totally. like really, 
you know, when you're limited, it does feel like nail color is the thing that you can just sort of add in the mix and make yourself a little, a little more accessorized. And I have to say, Olive and June makes it so that you're not schlepping to the Manny salon every week to make this happen. I swear by Olive and June and their Manny system is everything you need for salon quality manicure in one box. Then you can customize it with your choice of six polishes. So you can pick those colors that pop on Zoom or, you know, even in real life, um, their polish doesn't ship and lasts for seven days or more. And it breaks down to just $2 a manicure, which also is much cheaper than going to get your nails done elsewhere. They also have this great award-winning cuticle serum that I should be applying more than I do. And an acetone-free nail polish remover pot um, that, you know, is one of those doodles that you just stick your fingers in and it's just very satisfying. It's so genius. You don't need cotton pads or tissues or anything. You just stick your finger right in. It's very clean and efficient. Visit oliveandjune.com slash a thing or two for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash A-T-H-I-N-G-O-R-T-W-O for 20% off your first Manny system. So all of the sort of hot galleys for fall and holiday have started to roll in, which I'm very excited about. My book list, my reading list is very long. One of the ones that I got my hands on that I'm feeling very proud of is The Christmas Orphans Club by Becca Freeman, who you probably know or may not know as the host of Bad on Paper podcast, which is very much it. If you like a thing or two, you're probably going to like that too. Now is a very good time to start listening to them because Becca is rolling up to the publication, the release date of this book that is very hotly anticipated. And this is just a book lovers podcast in general. Olivia Mentor is her co-host and she's also writing a book. So I feel like we're just going to get a lot of like book journey in general. Mm -hmm. They have good and fun taste. And they really just know what people, people are interested in up to, and they have new episodes every Wednesday, but it is also one of those shows similar to ours where there's this huge back catalog and you do not need to be a completist. You can kind of jump in anywhere and get a sense of who they are and what they're all about. So listen to Bad on Paper's new episodes every Wednesday. Okay. Another thing that I'm personally obsessed with the slate flosser. You are a slate flossing <laughs> advert. I feel like it's potentially changed the course of my life. I, wow. Well, mouth health is really important. They mouth say, health is full health. I remember Gwyneth convincing of me of this when she was trying to get everybody to oil pull. Remember? Totally. And totally. I was like, no, I totally believe it. If my mouth's not healthy, nothing else is healthy. And I had in recent years, as I'd crept towards 40, become a three to four day a week flosser. However, I am now fully an everyday flosser because of this slate flosser. So what it is, think of an electric toothbrush. It is an electric flosser. It has the same sort of size and shape handle as an electric toothbrush. It vibrates like an electric toothbrush. But instead of a replaceable brush head, it has a replaceable floss head head that is conceptually sort of like a, a flossing pick. You know, the ones that look like little mini swords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the part of the genius of this and the thing that actually like pulled me in on this thing is that the back side of the sword is a tongue scraper. I do feel I I don't think that there's any way to start the pitch for the slate flosser with the tongue scraper. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. think there is. But I do think that that is a really strong sell because who doesn't want a tongue scraper that actually feels like it's doing something or that like doesn't feel gross. And that's not like a big purple plastic extra thing on your counter. Why isn't anybody, why aren't the people making cute vibrators making cute tongue scrapers? It feels like the same factory. So this thing's, I love it for several reasons. One, 
I just don't like flossing. Flossing is universally sort of not maligned. Maligned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you don't have to cut off the circulation on your fingers. One. As as our friend Nick and I both said when you were explaining this yeah. feature, like, how long are you doing this? <laughs> what is the process that it's going that here? Okay, let me even start before this. It's like, okay, let me like pick up the flosser, pull out the right amount of floss, wrap okay, it around my here's fingers the thing, Claire, so tightly. We can't so start with the both, picking up of the no, thing. It, but you can <laughs> because it's like you there's no prep. The slate floss, you just grab it off your counter and shove it in your mouth. Pick up the <laughs> floss thing, open it, wrap it around my fingers so the tips of both of my finger pointers are blue, maybe probably purple if we're being yeah. honest. <laughs> and then shoving half of a fist of both hands, so effectively an entire fist, in my mouth, then you got the stinky floss. Then you got to move it in between each tooth. And now the stinky floss is on your fingers. So your fingers are stinky. I, you don't have to do any of that with the slate floss. You just floss, floss, rinse it off a little bit. Floss, floss, rinse it off. It's vibrating. So it feels like it's really getting the job done. I am so glad that you feel <laughs> the way that you do about this. Yeah. I tried the slate flosser and I thought yeah. it was a perfectly lovely experience. But I went back to my Dr. Tongues because I find the process of maneuvering this thing in my mouth to be way more challenging. I think it takes a little practice. So Chris saw mine and was immediately really jealous. And he was like, I want that. And I was like, you can have one too. Yeah. And he said, felt like he needed a tutorial. And I do think you just kind of have to like bite down on it a little bit. Yeah, see, I think I don't like that. I think yeah. my flossing is, I have a lot of practice, not to brag, but I'm super experienced. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. And so I think my flossing routine does it involves less of the things that you explained. And I don't even, if you can imagine, don't even think about picking up the floss as part of the process. I keep it in, where do you keep your floss? On my counter. I, because I floss every day, well, I keep it on the counter. It's I like, do too, but I like keep it like, there's so much stuff. I don't know. There's just something <laughs> visual also about the slate flosser. It's big. It's it's right next yeah. to my toothbrush. And so I see it and I'm like, oh, why not? It's going to take two seconds. Yeah, I, This is great. There's I, a different approach for everyone. There's not <laughs> one answer to flossing. Well, speaking of approaches, somebody wrote in to Instagram thingies and her thingy was keeping floss in the shower. And several people were like, I also do this and my friends or my partner make fun of me. Another person was like, well, this is how I ended up clogging our drain with floss and having to like get the plumber to come out because I are. And then the plumber says, but it was like, so there's a ton of dental floss in your drain. <laughs> one person did follow up the next week to be like, to whoever recommended that, thank you. It's life-changing, which I could see. I could see that being life-changing. I, I really feel like this flossing thing is whatever we all need to do <laughs> to get through it. Yeah. We should all try a bunch of stuff, throw some pasta at the wall, like yeah. really see what sticks because it seems like people, everybody needs a different approach. It feels great to be a daily flosser. My mouth has never felt better. I am so excited to go to the dentist. I'm sure that'll be a letdown. They'll be like, no, no. Flossing is the backbone of horror health. Like it is, you are, you are going to get a grave review. Somebody did actually submit as their thingy that it was getting good feedback from their dental hygienist. I, I fully agree. Yeah. I've told you about my dental hygienist. Yeah. She's lovely and she's a little, well, she's definitely bossy and she's like Russian and firm and just direct. And when she tells you to do something, you have to do it. And if you haven't done it by the next time, it's like a lot of like, well, I told you, like, mm. I don't, but when she says, she'd be like, your teeth look good. It's like as if she's been, as if she has just <laughs> given you a Grammy. Like it is yeah. just, it's not that she's reticent to do it, but yeah. you know that she's like, I would never say this I would never if it lie. weren't true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like how they keep you coming back. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I can't say enough about how good it feels to be an enthusiastic daily flosser. I'm loving I'm, this life. I'm loving the floss life. 
and and I have sleep. You need a you need a floss life bumper sticker. (laughs) It is it is my new. Do you remember last year, like right around this time when the pattern beauty spray bottle was my boy do I? (laughs) Because because at a sleepover, I brought it down into the kitchen to show everybody. It was like, hey guys. That's what I did with the Slate Flosser at a girls weekend like three weeks ago. It was like I had mentioned it. There seemed to be some interest on behalf of my audience. So then you did a full infomercial. So later that night when we were all like everybody's winding down and I was like fully ready to go to bed, I bust back out into the kitchen. <laughs> and I was like, guys, 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 see, so here it is. And um, How, what kind of response did it get? Well, here's the thing. I also had my message sandals that weekend. The ones we've talked about them before, the like cork sold, very comfortable elastic waist and oh, not elastic waist, elastic. The waist of your foot. Yeah. The, the waist, waist of your foot. foot. And after the girls weekend, when you're doing the like group chat postmortem, there were requests that I send the link to my sandals. Somebody did eventually ask for a link to my flosser. So Do I you would think say they it did it because they wanted to or because they knew you wanted them to? No, I think they wanted to because she said as she was researching it, she was like, wow, they do a couples pack. I'm getting what I'm getting the couples pack. So I, I sold two <laughs> at least. Well, and a third to myself because I got one for Chris for Father's Day. Oh, tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. Yeah, it's this in the form bra. Which we also talked about. How are you liking it? Oh, loving it. And now it's become a problem because I have one. Yeah. And so Uh now I'm like, well, I have eight other sports bras that I don't want to wear. I honestly like I might throw them all away because I'm also like I always felt like I had so many sports bras. And now it's one of those things where I'm like, well, by necessity, I have learned to just let my sports bra dry out in between wears. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The next day. Well, because it it doesn't matter. It doesn't. And as a follow up, when we talked about it before, I hadn't worn it for as long. I actually do think it has trained me to have better posture when I'm not wearing it. I certainly think about it more. Me too. I think about the way that it makes my posture go because I can't, I couldn't grasp that before on my own. You know what I mean? Without having corrected posture. I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah. It's like we were talking about, like I'd had people say to me, here's the right way. And then as soon as I walked out of that physical therapy appointment or whatever, I was like, wait, what was that? But But this regular reminder of like how your shoulders were supposed to go or whatever made a big difference. Yeah. I truly think this thing is the future. I do too. I I also think it is going to change the course of my life, much like the flosser. Totally. These things are both very important. Yes. Posture and oral health. Very important. I took the form bra on vacation with me and... I was especially impressed by like putting it on after a flight and mm. doing like 10 minutes of yoga yeah. being like, oh shit. That because you you spend so much time on that on a plane just like being curled into yes. like the shell of your like your back becomes a shell or like whatever. Yes. And you're like, oh, and then to have that like pressed open. It feels incredible. Exceptional. Yes. I'm I am really glad we're on the same page about this. Something I need to get you on board with. Yes. I I, I want to get on board. I'm ready. A podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder Mm -hmm. called Wilder. It is hosted by Glennis McNichol, who's been on this very podcast before. We love her so much. Joe Piazza, Mm -hmm. also a friend of the pod, is a producer. It is about this like very complicated and like nuanced and like specific life Mm -hmm. of Laura Ingalls Wilder and, you know, the Little House on the Prairie books and Mm -hmm. the Little House on the Prairie universe Mm -hmm. and the like super sometimes fucked up components of that because mm. of her experience the time it was written like mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of issues because of the history of America because of America yeah because yeah. of America because uh-huh. Laura Ingalls Wilder did in fact live in America <laughs> and yeah. America's problems are in fact her problems yeah it has Dolly Parton's America energy mm. in the best that. way that. okay that it's just like it gets at the like very heartwarming mm-hmm. pieces of this story so 
they travel around to some of the places where Laura lived and where there are now like pageants and tours and all of Mm -hmm. these things, including Walnut Grove, Minnesota, that has over recent years attracted a Hmong community that was drawn there because of the Laura Ingalls Wilder books. Wow. Like how they charming. They moved to the specific area because of the area's association with Laura Ingalls Wilder. They like discovered the area through Laura Ingalls Wilder. A couple of Hmong families moved there and then attracted a community of like 100 Hmong families within a decade or something like that. I'm getting those numbers wrong. No, no, um, no, no. That's super but it was, it, But it's like super compelling. Yeah, I'm so fat. I knew about Hmong community in Minneapolis because Chris grew up there. And 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 Minneapolis and Minnesota are, I don't know officially if they're like a, an asylum city or what, but it has a lot of immigrant populations like Somali and Hmong. And Chris attended school with a large Hmong community. But I did not know about this. Walnut Grove. And the Hmong community has been re- credited with reviving the town. Incredible. But then there are also depictions of Native communities in Laura Ingalls Wilder's books yeah. that are like super problematic. And they get into all of this. Can I tell you something? Please. We watched Peter Pan the other day oh, and having God. to stop uh. and explain to Cam what was wrong with it was so challenging to do in four-year-old language. Yeah. What did you say? It was so... I, it, right. The like tiger it lily was so, of it all. The tiger lily, the like hitting the mouth. It, it, oh, even yeah. just... Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, they, yeah. they present indigenous people as mean and evil. Of course. And... <laughs> yep trying to explain succinctly to him or even just like in ways he could understand without explaining the entire history of this country. Yeah. And like, you know, I just said, these people lived here first. We all live on their land. There were fights over who could live here. And that's sort of what you're seeing here. But it was, I couldn't believe how challenging it was. (sighs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. No, this, so they get at all of these things. Mm -hmm. They also get at the drama with her relationship with her daughter, Rose, that her daughter, Rose, was like a very prominent freelance writer of in her day and hmm. she's the one who shepherded these little house books along and told her mom she should write wow. them but also undermines some of that process and the like, daughter undermines some of the process yeah. and like got jealous there's like a it's very wow it's, it feels like it that relationship is the thing that feels like oh I want the tv version yeah. of this in the like Fosse Verdun uh-huh. vein where you're like this is super complicated yeah. and there was like creative partnership but also like competition a lot of friction yeah. and yeah 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 fascinating I was obsessed with these books when yeah, I was a kid same. and I yeah and just feel like it was like one of those things like if you're a reader as a growing yeah. up you loved these books yeah. when you were a yeah. kid and they talk some about why like uh-huh. why were these books such a thing why uh-huh. have they continued to be such a are thing? they still such a thing they are like I mean they don't seem to occupy the same amount of cultural headspace as for example babysitters club right? no but I think they still have like a very strong cultural presence yeah despite being at this point 90 something years old well it also feels like their time in terms of where we are with like trends and aesthetics and fashion the cottage core yeah yeah and yeah. prairie yeah you know, Hill House and Home. Wife. yeah and yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I sent you a picture my family visited some Laura Ingalls Wilder Museum in South Dakota when I was a kid and I sent you a picture of me in a bonnet that you could buy there and I was like this looks like Hill House Home totally. like when is Hill House Home doing this totally yeah so Glynn has said that for her the thing that really spoke to her about the books was the fact that this was a real girl. Yeah. And of course there were like other sort of strong female leads like Nancy yeah. Drew or like Harry the Spire, like whoever it was, Babysitter's Club that like spoke yeah. that you, you had, but this was a real girl yeah. and fictionalized because he's right. filed in the fiction se- section. I don't know that I had a, I knew obviously that it was Laura wrote it and Laura was the main character. I yeah. don't know how much I was thinking of this thinking as her about story. The, yeah, exactly. 
So, I mean, it ostensibly was. Yeah. There's a larger conversation mm-hmm. about like the fiction. Yeah. And also that it was like a, about a real girl who was eight years old and whose life was being taken seriously. That was it for me. Yeah. There, there were not that many books when we were kids where girls our age were the main characters. And right. like their interiority was presented and yeah, their feelings were taken seriously and totally, all of that. Totally, totally, totally. The thing that I think in revisiting this through this podcast that really stood out for me was how much I grasped onto the tactile descriptions of the clothes and the food. Mm. And those are the most Mm -hmm. memorable scenes for me. Mm. There was a jazz ball article from like 2007 written by Lizzie Skernick that that the headline was little house in the big woods. I play with a pig bladder like it's a balloon. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I like the pig bladder, the like calico, the maple sugar, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. these are the things that feel like that mm-hmm. I distinctly remember from the book. And Lizzie Skernick called it frontier porn for the underaged, which is just like incredible. <laughs> but on this podcast, they call her the original lifestyle blogger. And I like lost it. I mean, it's incredible because <laughs> it's true. It is true. It is true. It is true. It also was happening at the same time that Oregon <gasps> Trail was happening. So in my, like, all frontier culture loomed very large for me. Totally. At that time in my life. Like it felt like, we're all thinking about this, of course. We're all talking about this. Like, this was is- Dr. Quinn medicine woman that I'm same time? Sure. I am absolutely sure. It felt like something we were constantly learning about in school, playing a video game, reading books. Like, it just felt like the thing to me. Yeah. And it just loomed. It, it occupied. It Fording occupied- rivers was something we thought about. <laughs> yeah. And me, we used, when my parents wouldn't give us enough food, it didn't be like this meager portion. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed not odd to me that we thought about the gold rush and frontier culture and covered wagons all the time. I had a Playmobil set with a covered wagon yeah, that no, I can I, remember I can very distinctly. The play, I can picture that, yeah. So it just all seemed quite normal in a way that it does not now. <laughs> no, totally. I uh, The other thing I started thinking about and listening to this podcast, and it really is just like so wonderful, is that Laura Ingalls Wilder walked so American Girl could run. Totally. Like it is like- yeah. Kirsten, yeah, just like real spawn of yeah. Laura Ingalls Wilder, totally content. Yeah, that's the show. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ, and if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.